welcome to another episode of Drinks with Shan. Firstly, I cannot believe that we are on episode 8 already. It has been an interesting journey thus far and I promise you the content is only going to get better from here on. Today's guest is someone that I've been following for a very long time. To be honest, when I started my blogging journey, she was one of the first South African bloggers I started following. I have so much love for her. She's now an influencer engagement manager by day for some of South Africa's top baby and childcare brands and a content creator for Queen Bee by Night. Mom of two, Sharon has over 12 years of experience. Hi Sharon, welcome to Drinks with Shan. How's it Shan? Thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you today. I'm very excited to have you here because I feel like you have so much knowledge to share. Okay, so you've been a content creator for 12 years. That is a long time. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have this conversation with you today because now you're working as an influencer engagement management manager. So you're basically on both sides of the fence. But today I'm calling you a little bit more the influencer engagement manager and you know towards the end we'll touch on you being a content creator cuz everyone wants to know what are brands thinking what they want you know has content creators are we actually approaching brands the right way etc so let's start at the beginning on what content creators need to have in place before they approach a brand so my first question is is it important has content creators to still have a blog or can i just focus on social media in in 2020 so i think that it's so very dependent on what each brand is looking for in terms of when they work with a with a content creator for example i mean social media is great and absolutely it's a starting point um for the brands that i represent specifically instagram is very very important um but we do also like from time to time specifically with a brand if it's a new brand into the country where we're still trying to grow the brand name or if it's a product launch obviously having an an actual website gives the that is optimized for um search engine optimization it does give longevity to the content in that it becomes more searchable on the world wide web how important is it to own your own domain or is a dot wordpress site for example fine So again I think it's dependent on what you as the content creator are hoping to achieve. I mean ultimately if you're if you're there just for the passion and the pleasure of sharing your story then a dot wordpress site or a dot wix site or any of those are absolutely fine. If you are looking to do paid campaigns with brands then a dot coza or dot com site is better once again because it is much more searchable um on search engines like Google for example. and also okay. i think i think there's this big misconception that um being self-hosted is excessively expensive and it really isn't it's i mean you can have a self-hosted site for as little as like 50 bucks a month so i do think that people who really want to get into paid content creation it is something worth investing in 
I love that you mentioned that because, uh, as you mentioned, a lot of people don't really know how, you know, yeah, cheap not, it is to start. It's not them. necessarily yeah. a ridiculously expensive thing. I mean, and you can install free WordPress onto your paid domain and then still do your website creation and everything on your own. You don't need to be spending an absolute fortune um, and getting assistance from like web developers and that sort of thing. It is something you can still do your own and keep the, ex the expenses like relatively low. Okay. Wow. So that's interesting. Um, I guess, as you know, you just need to do a little bit of research to find out what exactly is needed. Exactly. And there's a lot of websites that can help with that. Let's talk about followers because everyone wants to know engagement versus followers. How many followers should one have before approach, approaching a brand? Or is, you know, there's something to that? Do you guys care about it or does it matter? So, you know, it's a, it's a balancing act. Obviously, followers does matter, but non-engaging followers then makes your following irrelevant as well. So you want to have as many engaged followers as possible. So for, as an example, um, with the brands that I represent, I'm always happy to add anybody that approaches me that says they'd like to get onto our mailing list, always happy to add them to my mailing list and to keep them up to date on, on product launches and brand launches and that sort of thing. Where it becomes a little bit more tricky is when I need to show the brand's return on investment. And that is where having a, you don't have to have a massive following, but having a, a, a decent, like over a thousand followers on Instagram is like the benchmark for us. So having okay. a thousand followers on Instagram that are engaged, so, uh, engaged followers. So we look at engagement rates as well. It's one of the things that we um, also check before we work with uh, an influencer is their following versus their engagement rate. Obviously, anything from 3% and up is considered good. But again, that's also dependent on um, the size of the following. So... For example, the like the larger your following is, the lower the engagement in general as a rule of thumb tends to be. So somebody with 1,000 followers would probably have a higher engagement rate than somebody with 10,000 followers. Um, and then obviously we go right up to your celeb influencers where they have a million followers and they may only have 0.5% in engagement, but that's still massive numbers in terms of the people reached. So that's an interesting one because you look at engagement. So yeah. I want to know, do you actually audit bloggers before you approach them or choose them for a campaign based on so, that? So again, I can only speak for the brands that I represent. And I think this is where having worked as an influencer or having the side hustle as a, as a content creator has also helped. I audit everybody. Um, so there are various tools that we use that we pay for. They're subscription-based tools, and they go in. They have a and um, the tools can audit Instagram, Facebook, YouTube accounts, tick, even now TikTok, and it um, looks at uh, engaging versus non-engaging followers, location of followers. It can break it right down to regions, uh, gender, age groups, that sort of thing. So you can really drill down quite nicely to when you're using these tools to make sure that you are 
matching the the right content creator or influencer with your brand and the specific message of whatever that campaign happens to be. Okay, well, so there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that content creators don't necessarily see yes, or hear like, about. I, I, I mean, I get emails daily from people wanting to work with us. And, um, the, yeah, it's not just, a, oh, sure, like, here you go. There's, I, there's a, a number of tools that I check all their, and, uh, all their um, data through and, like, really analyze the stats to see if this is somebody that's going to like that is the right match i mean at the end of the day it's not just about influence and audience it's about brand with influencer with audience so making sure that all of those things align there's this trend on social media that i've noticed i've i've got a lot of inbox messages as well say that we started a follow to follow thread, you know, follow five people and then continue following people on this thread. I don't even know what's it called. What's it called, Sharon? I think you know I, more than me about no, it. You know what, Sharon? Hey, I've also heard of these. And um, I used to be like, sure, a couple of like a few years ago, these started becoming quite popular as a way to try and um, beat the algorithm, specifically on Instagram. But it's the Instagram algorithm is really clever and it picks up. It can, you know, it can see whether it's a genuine engagement or one of these like follow for followers. That's not real engagement. That's not somebody that's really interested in your content. That's really reading the copy to see what it is you're talking about. That's somebody that's just pressing like on your photo because they have to. It's, it's a vanity measure. It's not... Um, it's not real engagement and um, it's, it's not really offering you any value. So you want to be attracting people to your account who are interested in what you have to say, who are looking, looking out for you, looking for you in their timeline, actively engaging at every opportunity they possibly can. And that's not just by pressing the heart button. So I, I was part of, I tried one years ago when they first came out and quickly realized that it wasn't, um, it wasn't giving me any benefit whatsoever. And especially, I mean, speaking specifically about Instagram now with Instagram around the world slowly but surely I know it ha I don't think it's happened to anybody locally but removing the visibility of the likes it's kind of pointless mm. yeah it doesn't really serve no. a purpose anymore and I'm sure brands are also catching up on this yeah I mean one of the other things uh when I audit my influencers and and you know you don't have to you don't have to use auditing tools to be able to audit influencers there's very simple checks and balances that you can go and do without using any tools go into their following go and have a look at who their followers are if you see a lot a large percentage of accounts that don't have profile pictures those are probably bot spam accounts it's not it's not genuine followers um a lot of uh sort of instagram handles that have like sharon three four five six seven on the end of them those are often not real people those are not people that are really engaging with your account so that's one of the things you can look at the other thing is go and have a look at comments go and have a look at the comments on people's posts is it just a smiley face or a heart or a thumbs up or pretty picture or stunning or is it genuine comments that are engaging the content creator in a conversation um, and 
those are other ways to tell, you know, if this is a genuinely engaged audience. And um, one of the things that I also look at is the likes versus comments ratio. So if you're getting 15,000 likes in our dreams, but if you're getting 15,000 mm -hmm. likes on an, on an image and you're getting no comments, that's a red yeah. flag. Something is wrong there. That, that's, something is not right. So there's those very simple things that anybody can go and do without having any fancy tools to so just go and get a high level look at, um, at the, uh, mm. the basics of an account. So my next question is, since we're on Instagram, are pretty photos the key to getting more opportunities to work with brands? <sighs> I This is a tough one. So there, again, I feel like this is a balancing act. And um, a lot of the, well, all the brands that I represent are international brands. So one of the reasons that we work so closely with local content creators is to get user-generated content so that we can show mm -hmm. genuine South African um, content yes. and people and diversity and that sort of thing, but using an international product. So there's twofold to, for me when I um, work on a campaign. The pretty pictures absolutely plays a part in it. You really do want to be focusing on your photography skills and trying to constantly be be and do better um, because those are the type of images that we look for and the type of influences we want to work for in terms of user-generated content that we can then share onto with the, the content creator's permission, of course, onto our own social channels. And then there's the other side of it. There are also massively cons um, successful content creators out there whose photos are not necessarily the best photos, but they have a story and um, they have a way of with words that engages people in conversations. And, and there's huge value in that too. That, that makes sense. My next question is, how do I not come across as blagging to a brand? Because this phrase has been used a lot in the industry. And as you mentioned earlier, you receive a ton of emails every single day. And I'm sure there are a few that actually stick out for you and get your attention. But what's the right way or is there a right way to approach a brand that you're interested in working with? I think if I, if, if I could give one piece of advice to anybody, any content creator that wants to approach a brand, and again, I can't speak for all brands, can only speak for the brands that I represent. But if I could give one piece of advice, it's approach with a plan. So don't approach just asking for something for free. Show what, you, what your plan is. So if I launch a new product and you you want to be involved in the launch come up with a content idea for me or a strategy um, send me an email that details you know so many people i will ask for something and i'll mail them back and i'll say perfect what is your um what is your plan what is your can you provide me with um some detail on what it is you plan to do and the response to that is i'll post it on instagram Okay, that's not a plan. Come to me with content ideas. Say, you've just launched this. I don't know, one of the, the brands that I represent, we've just launched a whole range of winter sleep bags. It's approaching winter time. Um, I live in Cape Town. It's cold and it's wet at night. I'd love to do a, a post about how to um, 
ensure your baby's warm enough at night, how to layer them under a sleeping bag. So I could write a blog post about that and I could share it through to social media. I would do one grid post talking about preparing baby for bedtime and ensuring that they're, you know, talking about safe sleep and how important safe sleep is in keeping your baby at the correct temperature. So come with a plan. Don't just come with, can I have a sleeping bag? I'll post it to Instagram. That for me is, okay, like, so. is the differentiating factor is when somebody approaches me and they totally, they understand that it's a trade exchange. In other words, they're getting something, but they're giving me something in return. And that's something that they're giving me is not just a picture on Instagram. It's a thought out plan for that picture on Instagram. So let's talk about that. You know, you mentioned trade exchanges and pitching, and I think you made it quite clear that you like to receive a plan when someone emails you. Should they include like a pitch deck, a media kit, links to their social media follow? Let's just say this is a cold pitch. Yes. I don't know you, Sharon. I found your email on, on the website. How would I you know, go on doing it. Should I say, hi, Sharon, I'm blog at, I'm blogging at so-and-so and I'd like to work with you, you know, with the sleeping bags and then of course put in, you know, your idea or should I wait for you to reply and then give back my idea? Cause I think that's the confusing thing yes. is how much is too much in the first email? Cause yeah, it's, you know, so first I want to flip, flip that question on its head. How much is too much? And say how that there's also such a thing as too little. I get way too many emails every week, every week that say, hi, Sharon, um, I, I want to be a brand ambassador for XYZ brand. How do I do it? Thanks. Okay. They don't give a single link to any of their social channels. They don't give me a website address. They don't tell me if they have children. Sometimes I get people who email me and I go, and they do share a, a social link and I can, um, and I go onto their social channel. They don't even have children. So there's like, there's like the flip side of that. So what do you want? So okay. I think what you want to do is you want to, again, go in with a plan. So this is a brand I want to work with. So I need to introduce myself properly and I need to, to show them what I can give them in terms of value. Then if I respond with a, because obviously when I get your email, I'm going to go and I'm going to audit you and I'm going to run and do all my yeah. necessary tests or whatever. And then if I think there's value in working with you, I'm going to come back and say, excellent, you know, please fill in. We have a database of influencers. So I'm always looking to add people in there so that we have a nice mix of size influencer and all that sort of thing and a range of age of children and, and everything. So I will mail you back and I'll give you the link to that and I'll ask you to add yourself on there. And then if you have an idea, pitch it. Absolutely pitch it. But don't go into your introduction by not giving the brand any details. Start off by telling them who you are and showing them what you have to offer them. So I think like a media kit is extremely important. And it doesn't have to be a ridiculously fancy one, like a one pager that just contains all your links and a few stats and that tells the brand in one paragraph who you are and what your content's about. And, um, and expressing an interest or saying you have an idea and would you be keen to like hear more about my pitch or something like that. Yeah, it's a balancing act. Uh, so go in prepared and with a plan and remember to tell the brand who you are 
don't just email with hi i'd like to be a brand ambassador because it's very difficult because then we have to like go backwards and forwards 10 times before i get the information i need let's talk about trade exchanges you know trade exchanges buses payments and a lot of brands are willing to do more trade exchanges instead of payment what exactly is a trade exchange and if you send me a box of goods but i didn't ask for it does that also fit into a trade exchange or no let's talk about that okay a so for and again i can only talk for the brands that i represent and the work that i've done but i'm pretty sure most yeah. brands would run things the same way so in my mind there's a thing called that that we do called a spray and pray um, it's what we do specifically when we really want to get the name of a new product on everybody's lips. We want everybody talking about it. We will go and we will match as many influencers as we have on our database and we will send them an unsolicited press drop. So um, we did it last year very successfully with a, a toddler cup that we launched and we sent it to like 50 influencers and every single one of them got it and they all got it at almost the same time. So literally every, if you were following parenting accounts on Instagram, you were, you were being bombarded with this product and people complained about it, but guess what? Everybody knew about it. Mm. That kind of a spray and pray doesn't come with any obligation. I do that knowing full well that okay. you are not obligated in any way, shape or form to do anything with what I've sent you. You didn't ask me for it. You didn't pitch an idea for it. I took the initiative and I just sent you something, not even knowing if it was really something you wanted or you could use. There's no, in my opinion, there's no obligation that comes with that. Then there's a trade okay. exchange. So during these times of COVID-19 and um, lockdown, where brands are taking strain, brands are struggling the same as, uh, you know, around the world. I think it's a time for influencers to look at really growing relationships with, with their brands. And one of the ways that they can do that is through trade exchanges. So, you know, I help you, you help me, and hopefully times next year new budget and times are, are easier hopefully who knows what's going to happen with the rona um and then you know we've developed that relationship and that relationship is then we can literally hit the ground running so a trade exchange is very specific in that we each know what we're in for and we agree to it up front and before anything's been sent or agree or the, co the content creator has created any content, but it is relationship building and it is a form of payment. Um, specifically, if it's something you wanted, it is a form of payment. Um, and also, you know, brands have to budget for product that gets given. So it's very important um, for people, to, for, brand, for content creators to understand that. Like if I send you product worth 5,000 Rand, as a trade exchange, that comes out of a budget. I have to allocate that 5,000 Rand to the pool of money that I had to spend on influencer marketing for, a year, for the year, whether it was um, budget for product or budget for monetary exchange is irrelevant. It still comes out of my budget. I have to budget on the packaging. If I want to send you the not just in a normal old courier brown box and I want to put it in beautiful packaging with tissue paper and ribbon and everything that gets budgeted for. Um, so yeah, it's really important that 
I, I understand, like from a content creator point of view, I understand the, the desire for monetary payment, but it's just not always possible. So you also have to weigh up with the trade exchange when you're a content creator, is this a product I want? Is this product going to add value to me? Am I going to see the value in terms of the product I'm receiving in exchange for the work that I need to do for this product? And if the answer to that is no, then don't do, rather don't do the trade exchange. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of trade exchanges in the next, in the next while with uh, the circumstances we're currently all in. Let's talk about you know, content creation during lockdown. Do you think influencers have used this opportunity to really build relationships with brands? Because as you mentioned, you know, having a relationship with a brand is key to that maybe becoming paid work later on. And I've noticed this personally. And a lot of people have been sharing a lot of stuff (laughs) during lockdown but do you feel like content creators have really used this opportunity to get to know the brand a little better or just engage in social media? They, I, I think that there's some content creators that are doing that very well. Um, you know, I, I find uh, I, with our, our press releases, so every, we send out re- fairly regular press releases to our, our um, influencer database. And I find the engagement on this press release is so important. So many influencers who will email back and express an interest in a product and ask me, would you be keen to do a trade exchange on this? I can offer you X, Y, Z in return. You know, for me, that's really important in terms of the relationship building. And if I can't, if I really can't, if I don't have the budget or the, well, the budget, because ultimately, even if I have the stock, it goes into my budget to do a trade exchange on that specific product. And I go back to them and say, look, I I can't at this stage. You know, then there are those who will come back to me and say, okay, no problem. Like, totally understand. Can you send me a couple of pictures of the product or other images of the product in use that I can maybe use that I can share it with my audience because, you know, still see value in this. And those are the influences that warm my heart because I'm passionate about my brands and I'm passionate about the products Mm -hmm. we create. So when I see content creators and, and influencers sharing that that passion it means something to me so for me that's really important in terms of relationship management and I can promise you this when the budget does open up and I can afford to spend cash dollars with um, my influencers those are the people yeah. I'm going to be thinking of they're going to be first in line because mm, they're top yeah. of mind because they did me a solid when times were tough so I'm going to do one for them that makes total sense I want to touch on payments. I think a lot of influencers or content creators that are starting their journey, you know, into the space or micro influencers are quite confused. And what's the going rate? I know this is a tough one because not a lot of people can actually say it all depends on your following. But is there such some such thing as a beginner's rate? And if you are looking to charge you know, a brand, a fee, what are the things that you should consider before putting that rate out? And, you know, from a brand perspective, what do you you look at before saying, okay, I will pay that price? So for, so again, with the brands that I work with, we have trade exchanges and then we have 
paid campaigns. And I will have earmarked something beforehand as either a paid ex uh, campaign or a trade exchange. So if it's a trade exchange and they're asking for payments, I, I, we have to, I have to decline. Um, again, it okay. comes down to budget. Like there's only so much money in that part. It's not limitless, unfortunately. I wish it was. You know, now during lockdown, when people are spending more time than ever online, now would be the time. I yeah. mean, I wish, I wish I had a giant pool of money that I could just be dishing out. Um, so, you know, my big thing with people who are starting out is you really have to prove your worth. And um, and prove yourself and prove your content. And, you know, so many people have asked me as well, how do I become an influencer? You work really hard until brands start taking notice. That's always the advice that I give. Like, don't go out there with your 250 followers and ask for a thousand, for a thousand rand to post a picture. You know, do the work. Prove that you are creating consistently quality, engaging content and brands will take notice they will take notice and when there's money they will offer it to you it's so important as a as a content creator to know to know your value to know your audience to know what your audience is interested in because if it's if it's a a, a paid campaign that comes with product that's not you don't believe aligns with your audience then it's really not something you should be doing just because you're getting paid. And I also think like that's where so many content creators water down their content. Like don't fall into that, don't fall into that trap. Like, you know, know your audience, know your the 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 kind of content your audience likes, the content that they engage with, know who you are, the kind of content you want to create, the message you want to be sent. You really don't want to become a walking billboard for any brand that's prepared to pay you because you also, you lose your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like people will stop buying into what it is that you're selling. They'll stop listening to you if they start to feel like you're only interested in pushing every single content opportunity that comes your way and that there's not enough personal in, engagement and storytelling and yeah. personal content in between. Like that's the meat. That's the meat of that's what grew your audience. You didn't start out being a, a paid influencer. You started out sharing your story and sharing your voice and engaging with people on things that you're passionate about or you're interested in. Don't lose focus on that because of paid work, because then you, you lose your audience. That's actually very good Thanks. one <laughs> coming from your experience in the industry. <laughs> I love it. I want to I wanna chat about something. For example, let's just say my kids are much older now. I'm using me as an example here. and But I have an audience that, you know, that's still having babies and, you know, their kids are much younger than mine. Is it okay for me to still approach baby brands even though my kids are not in that So, I mean, again, I think it depends on, on what you plan to do with the content that you want to create for the baby brands. Or if you're going to do a review, are your kids going to let you do that review on them? 
black are, you know, is it is it going to come across yeah. as authentic when you have, so, I mean, I sit in the same situation with you. My kids are also much older now. Um, so I think it's fine to, to approach baby brands or to work with baby brands if you want to just promote to your audience products and services that don't necessarily relate to your kid's age group, but do relate to theirs. I think, I don't see any harm in that. There's still interest in that. Um, they're still there, interested in that content. They're involved in that content. That content affects them. I mean, I think that where it would become difficult is from a review point of view. I think it starts to become difficult. Okay. Okay. Any tips you have for content creators going forward on, you know, how to engage with brands, what they can do better, what they shouldn't do based on your experience in the industry and for the company that you work um, with? I mean, one of the, so if I can just like, one of the things that often happens is just like brands do spray and praise, I think uh, influencers do that too. So I often receive emails that are, completely impersonal, just saying who the person is and I'd love to work with your brand. Okay, I, res I represent about seven brands. So which brand are you talking to, talking about? You know, be personal in your approach as well. Um, don't just treat a brand. There's still people behind a brand. You still want to engage with those people yeah. on, a, on a human level. So be personal. Um, I also think, show interest in the brand. So, you know, so often also influencers will say, oh, I love X, Y, I would love to work with you. I love your brand. And then you go and check your social following. They're not even following you. Well, then were they really that interested? Like, are they, mm. they really that keen on my product or do they have other motives? So, yeah, engage with your, the brands you want to work with. Um, show your interest in the brands that you want to work with. Learn the brand you want to work with so that you know who they are, what their products are. Um, I think that's really important as well. And again, quality, consistent quality content over everything else. Be consistent, know your voice, and consistently just keep putting your message out there and brands will find you. Three tips for content creators based on your experience in the industry as a content as, creator. As a content creator, not as a brand. Yes. Yes. As know a your audience. Creator. Um, know what your audience likes to hear from about you. So as an, if I use myself as an example, um, I know that my audience really connects with me on an emotional level. So if I, um, mm. if I, they're not that interested in the fluffy stuff. They want the, the grit, the, like the real meat of an issue. Um, and I know that that's what drives my audience. So I know that if I go and I can be relatively controversial, I can be quite um, emotive, um, and I can engage my audience um, with personal stories. Um, that's like, so knowing my audience, that's my thing. Um, engage with other content creators who are similar because it's amazing how our audiences start to overlap and we can grow our audiences and grow our engagement mm. by engaging with each other. And then also engage meaningfully with your audience. Like one of the things that I have a very strict rule on my DMS on Instagram and Facebook, I respond to every single 
message. It is so important. You know, don't just, yes, engage with other influencers because you can both help each other in terms of growing your audiences, but also engage with all your other followers because, you know, without them, you wouldn't have a following. So in, make yeah. sure that you give meaningful responses. If they ask you a question on something you've posted, answer the question. Um, if they, For I respond to every single DM I receive and I try to acknowledge every comment um, on my post. And that's, those are the three things in terms of engagement and audience creation that for me are so important. Meaningful, sorry, Sharon, I just want to say Thank meaningful you, engagement, like really meaningful engagement, not just a lazy pressing the, the like button or post, posting an, an emoji, like real meaningful engagement forms relationships with people. And that's like so grossly undervalued. Um, and ultimately, that's what social media is about. It's about engaging with, with, yeah. with each other. So, yeah, I just think that that's like the number one rule for me has like its own place so twitter is like where i can go um, and keep up to date on latest news and trends it's also where i feel like i can go and have a yeah. little rant if i'm having a terrible day and like really have open and ongoing conversations mm. um with people and i love twitter for me twitter has been so important in terms of developing my social awareness and making me more social, okay. socially aware and helping me learn, um, learn to be a better person and uh, embracing concepts. And I, I don't know, I find Twitter so fascinating for that. And then Instagram, I just, I love Instagram. I'm a sucker for pretty pictures. I love Insta stories. I'm still trying to figure out TikTok. My, my kid says I'm a boomer, even though I'm not. But she says I'm a boomer and I shouldn't even bother. But yeah, I'm there hanging in the background of TikTok. We'll see if I can figure it out or not. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely love TikTok. I think it's uh, it's so engaging for me. Like I can spend hours at that platform and not realize <laughs> I spent hours on it. But yeah, I do feel pretty old when I go there, especially since the younger people yes. say moms are not allowed. But anyway, <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> Thank you, Sharon, so much for sharing, you know, your tips and advice with us. We'd really appreciate it. Where can so people find you? My website is queenbee.coza, queen spelled K-W-E-E-N. And just a little funny story behind that. The queen, um, the reason that I opted to call my blog Queen Bee is uh, because a queen spelled K I K W E E N is a woman that is past childbearing age. So here I am approaching 50 and mm. I am queenbee.coza. People can find me on Instagram, also on queenbee.coza and Facebook. And then on Twitter, I'm just Sharon BW.